Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, June the 21st, 2012. This is episode 927 of the Survival Podcast. And for those that pay attention to things like this, today is the summer solstice. This is the longest day of the year, and the days will get incrementally shorter as we go on. The dog days of summer still lie ahead for us up here in the Northern Hemisphere, but the day length will begin to shorten from this day forward. This is a good day to go outside, and if you're concerned about gardening and permaculture and stuff like that, get a good track of the sun as it goes across your sky today and draw out the uh, the shadows that are created. And if you couple that with the December 21 uh, event and do the same thing, you'll have a complete understanding of your solar angles on your property from uh, from the midsummer through the midwinter, which gives you the whole year because everything else lies somewhere in between. A little tidbit I thought I'd put in at the beginning of today's show. So what's today's show going to be out? Today's show is cool. I've got a guy named Frank Belcastro I'm about to bring on as soon as we get through the housekeeping. Frank is uh, currently uh, doing a show on GBTV. That's Glenn Beck's online television network called Independence USA. He's a cool dude, man. I met him when I did the Glenn Beck show, and uh, man, was really blown away. I, I, he was really not what I expected. He was really just a normal, average guy just trying to do his thing like everybody else, but with a great attitude and a great viewpoint on things. And uh, We talked to him then, and we had a pretty, pretty heavy schedule, because that was about two months ago. But we put him in the next open slot that we could get him into, which was today. So I'll have Frank on in just a moment to talk about his TV show, what he's doing, what he thinks about what's going on in the world, what he would say to somebody that says, I'm just trying to get started out uh, prepping, and why he thinks we should all be prepping, and what we can do to, to really kind of help this country by returning us to a culture of preparedness. Before I bring them on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you by helping to make, show, make sure the show is here for you five days a week, Monday through Friday. Sponsor of the day number one, Fortress Defense Consultants. Frank Sharp, Jr., uh, great, great, great guy. Great, great training. Great, great cadre of instructors. And guys that don't just train, but they tra you know, train you guys. But they go all take classes at other schools uh, every year to continue to learn because they believe if you're not learning, then you're beginning to, to, to kind of go backwards, so to speak, to backslide. You're either going forward or backward. No sliding scale in most things in life. And, you know, I talk all the time about having weapons, having ammunition, being able to defend yourself, being able to put food on the table. But if you're going to walk around with lethal force uh, on your body or in your home, then you need to know how to properly use it, when to properly use it, how to stay within the confines of the law, how to worry about people other than the bad guy that you need to take out. And if you want to do all of those things, including learn how to save lives instead of just take them, check out Fortress Defense Consultants and Frank Sharp Jr. today at FortressDefense.com. Next up today, the Berkey guy, Jeff Gleason at Directive21.com, Directive21.com. Now, what are you going to get from the Berkey guy? <laughs> Guess what you're going to get from the Berkey guy? Berkey water filtration systems. I mean, he's the Berkey guy. And you can get your Berkey anywhere now. 
I mean, everybody's selling Berkey's. Go to a gun show, you'll find somebody at the gun show selling Berkey water filter systems. So why go to Jeff? Why to order it online? Why get him to ship it to you? Because he's the Berkey guy. Who else are you going to get your Berkey from? All, the, all these Johnny Come Latelys are the original Berkey guy. And I'll tell you the other thing about Jeff. Been a sponsor of the show for over three years now, going into his fourth year. And guess what? Complaints about Jeff Gleason and Directive21.com. Zero. Goose egg. None. Not a zilch. That's because he always takes care of the audience. He always gives great pricing. He always gives great service. And hey, if you're ordering more than $100 worth of stuff, you're ordering a couple uh, filter sets or something for your existing system, uh, or you're ordering a new system, if you're ordering over $100 bucks and you're an MSB member, he gives you a free Berkey Sport water bottle, which is like a $30 value. So every time you order new filters, basically, if you order two sets anyway, you're going to hit that minimum threshold and get a free Sport water bottle. Those things are awesome, by the way. He even sent some of those down with Brandon from Bella Ministries to Haiti, uh, where they were used to help make sure that people could have water in, in remote areas. So check it out today, directive21.com. And he doesn't just have Berkey stuff, even though he's the Berkey guy. He's got some other cool stuff you can check out while you're on his website as well. He just redesigned the website much easier to navigate now and added some really cool new products. So check him out today if you haven't in a while, directive21.com. Remember, the best way to visit directive21.com and fortressdefense.com and all of our sponsors Go to the survivalpodcast.com first, click on their banner in the right-hand margin, and that way you know you're dealing with an actual Survival Podcast sponsor that carries my personal endorsement and has been vetted by our listener ad council. Next up, remember, you can get some really cool copper stuff at tspcopper.com. That's all I'll say today. But if you've never been there before, just plug it into your browser on your smartphone or your computer or whatever tspcopper.com. Check it out. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. Uh, people that want a free one yesterday, you'll find out who you are later today uh, after I see uh, who wants Chef Keith's free seasoning. We had about 90 entries to that contest yesterday, which was kind of cool. It also makes me think a lot of people didn't play because they didn't think they could win because usually we get like you know several hundred uh, people playing a contest like that. But those of you that did... Uh, you've got about what, say, uh, one in, one, one in, I guess, what, three in 90, which is a one in 30 chance of winning one of them. So we'll see. That's probably pretty good odds. Better than to pick six in your uh, local state lottery, even though the prize is nowhere near as cool. All right. Next up today, um, cause a million dollars, that would be cool, wouldn't it? But, uh, I, I wanna do, I do wanna remind you guys about the member support brigade before I bring Frank on. It's a way you can support the show. Uh, it comes out to 18.3 cents an episode. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, and other first responders. You can get a special discount, and you get that discount by emailing me, Jack, at the survival podcast dot com and put service discount or military discount in the subject line. Tell me who you are and what you did or who you are and what you're currently doing and I'll get back to you with that discount code which will not only be a discount on your first year but will apply to all your recurring years as well. All right, with that wrapped up, let's go ahead and introduce our sponsor again. Frank Belcastro I met on uh, the Glenn Beck Show when I was part of a panel of four experts. He was one of the four experts. He's really uh, a great guy, but he would say himself he's not an expert in self-sufficiency. Uh, he is just a guy that started to do things and started to do things in a more self-sufficient, self-reliant way and to be prepared in case something goes wrong because, like many of us, he feels sooner or later something is going to go wrong, if nothing else, at least with a really bad economic downturn that might make 2008 look like the good old days, something old Jack's been telling you about for a while. 
He's uh, really got a lot of cool projects going on, anything from uh, gardening, preserving food, livestock, uh, working with black powder weapons, and, and everything else you can think of in between. I even saw him make his own shine once, but he was told by uh, the government not to do that again. Uh, that was on the uh, pilot episodes that were on... Uh, on, uh, I think it was History Channel where his first two pilots were, but now he's on GBTV and the series is running uh, and probably will be running for a very long time. And he's here to talk to us today about that and everything else to do with self-sufficiency and self-reliance. And with that, hey, Frank, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, uh, good to be on the air with you. I mean, last time we talked, uh, we were both at uh, the Glenn Beck uh, TV studio down in, uh, in Texas. That was uh, really cool meeting you there, man. It really was. I enjoyed seeing you, too, meeting you, um, and it was a great day, and it was fun being there. Yeah, it was really cool for me to meet Glenn. Um, I don't always agree with Glenn on everything, as many people on the air know, but he is one of my uh, one of one of the people I look up to in the broadcasting industry, and he was part of the uh, what, what kind of inspired me to, to, to start this show four years ago. Uh, so that was awesome, and then meeting you was awesome. And you have this show called Independence USA, and like when I heard you were going to be there, I was like, I think I know this guy, and what had happened is I had seen a pilot on a different network that was called Apocalypse PA. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy's cool. So for those that maybe don't know about either of those sides of the coin, so to speak, can you tell people kind of what what is Independence USA? What are you guys doing? Basically what it is is a show that of a family who's uh, working towards a self-sufficient or a prepared lifestyle. Um, it shows the process that we're going through um, to get ourselves ready for any kind of a really dangerous or bad emergency scenario. Um, all the different things that everyone else is out there doing, uh, we're doing, and um, we're showing. We're showing that process, the successes, the failures, the stumbles along the way, and what it's taking to be able to provide our basically for all our own needs, all our own food, all our own energy, um, all the things that we'll need to be able to ride out any storm that might be coming our way. Now, when I started doing a show, I had a lot of people saying, like, why are you being so public with what you do? I'm sure you get that question as well. So why are you doing this? Why are you guys actually chronicling this stuff and letting people know? Because a lot of, now, I'm not one of them, but a lot of people feel like if you're a prepper, it's better that nobody knows anything about you or what you do or, like, so you're going to be like the gray man and disappear. But you guys are very, very public with what you're doing. You don't have your home address published or anything, but I'm sure I could find you guys if I really wanted to. Why are you guys so public with what you're doing? You're absolutely right. I do get that question all the time. And you're right. The vast majority of the people that, that, that are getting themselves prepared, um, are very, very secretive about it and for good reasons. Um, and I do not disagree with them at all. Uh, well, the reason why we're out there doing it and why I feel personally very strongly, you know, to have this show, uh, and to reach out to folks and let them know that, uh, we're, we're really, 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 uh, riding a knife's edge. We're, we're, we're in a situation where it wouldn't take much for things to get really bad really fast. Whether it's going to be for just a very short period of time, a few days, a few weeks, or whether it's going to get more extended for months or maybe even into years, uh, you need to be ready. And that's, that's the purpose is that, uh, and the reason I should say why, uh, we're so public with what we're doing because I feel very, very, very strongly that people need to be aware. People just simply are going around with blinders on. The way that I see it, people are so caught up 
and just trying to day-to-day pay their bills, do their jobs, do all the things necessary to maintain a family, and, and, and people are, are just running around busy, busy, busy all the time. They don't really even see that, um, you know, the kind of situation that they're in. And that um, if I can at least point it out to them, let them take a good look at their own lifestyles, see what it is that we're doing, and hopefully learn from it a little bit, then I'll feel like, um, you know, I, I've been successful. Um, I hope that answers your question. Well, it does. And I mean, it, I also kind of look at it this way, and I'd like your thoughts on this. I kind of look at it like when I when I was in business long ago, I always felt like a fireman. I was always putting out problems. Yeah. And now I kind of look at what I do as being more like a fire marshal. Like it's my job to try to help as many people as possible from not having the freaking house burned out in the first place. And the more of us that are together and can stand prepared, the less problems for everybody when we deal with whatever we're going to deal with. So I think one thing you and I completely agree on is we don't know exactly how, we don't exactly know where, we don't exactly know what, but the way things are right now, sooner or later, we're going to deal with something. And it's going to be something we're really going to have to be prepared for if we want to get through it, and not just get through it, but thrive on the other side of it. You hit the, the nail right on the head. That's exactly right. And I, 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 I think that we're. it's very, very, very likely that it will happen, and it's so easy that uh, you know uh, something just as simple as our as our as our power grid going down would just cause mass pandemonium for a period of time. People are not going to know what to do. So hopefully, with what you're doing, with what I'm doing, with other folks are doing out there, letting some folks know, maybe there'll be a large group of people that will be able to comfortably ride out that storm and uh, e- even thrive during it. You're right. So, like, I know that some of my family thinks I'm altogether nuts. Um, I think that as the shows become successful, they think I'm less nuts because, well, I make a living at it, so it must be have something to it. But generally speaking, when one person in a family, whether it's the wife or the husband, kind of stands up and says, folks, we're going to start doing things a little differently around here. We're going to prepare for stuff like this. It's, it's generally not the case that everybody goes, yay, that's a great idea. It's not like going to Disneyland. So when you first kind of said, like, we're going to do this project and we're going to get more prepared and we're going to take this seriously, what was the initial reaction of your family? Well, you know, my wife uh, pushes back from time to time. Uh, she understands, uh, sees what it is that we're doing, and uh, as we go further and further into it, uh, is, is learning more about it and, and is more agreeable most of the time. Um, my son is on board 100% all, all the way. Um, you know, he has been since the very, very beginning. Uh, my daughter uh, also understands very much what it is that, um, you know, that it is what we're doing here. Uh, but, um, again, uh, doesn't see really take the heart um, that, that the need to, to, to really, really do it as much as we're trying to do it. Um, and, and as far as my broader family, you're right, there's a, there's a number of people – uh, in my extended family that, that really do feel, um, that I'm, that I'm crazy for doing what I'm doing and that there's no need for it. But the further and further we get into it and the more the projects are completed and the more the lifestyle is starting to take shape, uh, not only the members of my immediate family, but the members of my extended family, uh, are thinking now that maybe I'm not as crazy as they thought originally. Uh, and, um, I, I think that that's the way it would, it would go with most people. Um, and, um, I, I think it's, it's just the nature of the beast. I think once folks really see and take to heart and understand what it is that folks who, uh, call themselves preppers or what they're doing and why they're doing it, um, it begins to make sense uh, and they take it to heart. I think when people get just like a little taste of it, they start to feel a little bit more secure. 
And I don't mean secure like, you know, like in a fortress or anything. I just mean their whole overall life they feel more secure, and that feels good, and then they want a little more, and then they want a little more. Like my wife wasn't really hip on a lot of this stuff, especially like the gardening stuff. She wanted to grow flowers, you know, that's flowers. But like the other day she was picking cucumbers and tomatoes, and she was like, this is great. You know, like they just because it's like a realization like that there's food there now and that if something goes wrong, well, at least we can feed ourselves. And then you start looking at all the other little pieces you put in place. And I think it's a lot like a family that finally sits down and does what they should have done a long time ago and writes a will and realizes at least if I'm gone, then everybody else is looked after. And I just think that's missing in people's lives today. And when you put them in touch with it, they tend to like at first resist it because they don't want to have that cocoon of normalcy bias broken because it's not comfortable to accept the fact that you're in danger. But once you start to address the danger, it completely flips the dynamic. You are so right in everything that you're saying. Not only do, do, do every member of my family and friends and neighbors come over and, and see the, the food growing and the milk from the goats and the eggs from the chickens, and, and everybody's like, wow, this is really cool. You know, you're providing all this stuff yourself. Not only that, but, you know, you touched on the fact that the more and more and more that you do for yourselves, like generations have done before us, the more confident you build, the more secure confidence you build, the more secure you feel, as you mentioned, that, you know, it, it's missing in people's lives to have that, that self-confidence that I can do this for me, for my family. I don't need anybody to do it for me. And when this, when the, you're able to start doing this kind of stuff for yourself, it really does build up your confidence, uh, self-confidence, and make you feel more secure. You know, sometimes, because just listening to you talk there, it makes me wonder what happens to people between about, like, three years of age and, like, 30 years of age. Because a three-year-old will stand there and scream at you, no, I can do it by myself. And, and by the time people are 30, they want somebody to do it for them. And, and it, it just seems sad. I, I, You know, I really don't know how to answer that. But what you're saying is very, very, very true. I would just simply say that we've all fallen into, just like that, that uh, the child that you're speaking of, becomes in a situation where they realize, well, what the heck, if I don't do it, somebody's going to do it for me anyhow, so why bother? And I can go do something else. And I think it's the same kind of thing in general. We've all fallen into a situation in this country where things have become, you know, really, really, really too easy. And I'm not suggesting that we're lazy people. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we seem to have gotten away from doing things for ourselves and it's a big part of uh, what our show is about, is to show people um, that you can. You can. You simply can do it. it. All it takes is the desire to do it. I'm nobody special. There's nothing special about me. I'm no expert on this lifestyle. Uh, I, if you took anybody off the street and put them in a the scenario that I'm in now, uh, they'd be exactly the same, doing the same things that I'm doing. Uh, I guess my point is, is all it takes is a will, a desire to, to, to develop this kind of lifestyle, be prepared, uh, do for yourself and for your family to help build up your confidence, um, and, and you can do it. Anybody can do it. So, I mean, that's one of the things I really love about what you guys are doing, because you're not just talking about it, you're doing it, you're taking action, and you've got all these different projects that you're, you're working on, and I think with each one, not only do you get more self-sufficient, but you also learn something you can apply to the next one. So what are some of the favorite projects you guys are working on like right now? Well, uh, we, we've done some work recently on our, on our wood burning truck. You know, the, the uh, 1960 GMC pickup truck that we have that runs, uh, it's, it's a hybrid vehicle that runs on either 
standard gasoline on propane or on wood gas with a downdrafting gasification generator that we built on the back of it, my son and I, uh, with some help from some friends. Um, you know, that was always a great project, and uh, it, it's still chugging along out there. The summer kitchen that we built, I refer to it as a summer kitchen. Folks can see it on the show. Uh, it's, it's constantly, uh, almost in every episode, there's a shot of it. Uh, basically, what I did is we cut down a whole bunch of trees on our property. And I need to point out at this point, I don't have a lot of property. I only have close to around three acres of land. There was a hedgerow that uh, was alongside of it, some big poplar trees in it, some pine trees that were close to the house. We cut them all down, had a guy come in with a uh, wood miser sawmill and um, sawed it all up into lumber. And I built an 18 by 24 foot building off the side of our house on a concrete slab that um, has a... Um, a wood-burning fireplace in it that also serves as a smokehouse, uh, a big smoke chamber in the back of it tied into the side of it. I have a forge uh, where we can make our own knives, shovels, rakes, tools, spoons, forks, all kinds of stuff we've been making out there. That is a great project. We love it. Uh, having that summer kitchen is something that my wife is 100% on board about. Uh, we've got plumbing out in there now to the point where we'll do all our canning, uh, all the extraction of the honey from the beehives that we have alongside of the house. Uh, all that stuff will all take place out there and not mess up our kitchen inside the house. A great project. Really? Not to mention it won't heat it up in the summertime. I remember my grandmother running that dadgone pressure canner in a house with no air conditioning uh, right near you guys when we when I lived over in Jonestown, PA. And when she was canning during the summer, I didn't want to be anywhere near the downstairs area of the house because it was just so hot in there. That's exactly right. And that's why, again, as I mentioned earlier, generations ago, people used to do things for themselves, even one generation ago. Yep. I mean, in this area of the country, as I'm sure you're aware, very, very common on almost any old farm around the place. There's always a little place alongside where they drag the old wood stove outside during the summer months and drag it back in during the winter. They had a summer kitchen. And you know what I miss, Frank, so much about the area? Everybody's grandmother had their own recipe for freaking chow chow. Yeah. Oh, my. And I am a chow chow fiend connoisseur, and they're just it's just not done down here in the South very much. No, that's very true. It's very true. <laughs> Anyway, you were saying I just you're you're taking me back, man. Oh no, it's all good. The uh, like I said, the summer kitchen, the the goats. Oh, we having so much fun with those goats. You know, you know, I thought to myself, you know, we, you know, we really need to be able to provide some of our own protein. So I thought, you know, we'll get goats. We always have the potential of the meat if we have to, if things get really really bad. But mostly, I'm looking for the milk and the dairy products that can come from them. And so uh, we got, um, you know, two female goats, and then we had them bred. And folks who watch the show can watch the entire process from from uh, when the the, the buck we uh, we borrowed first arrived uh, till me uh, assisting in a birth. I mean, I'm telling you. I told you earlier I'm nobody. And had you ever done anything like that before? Had you ever birthed a goat, or was that your first time? That was absolutely my first time. Like I was starting to say, I'm nobody special. What the heck do I know about <laughs> assisting in delivery of the birth of a goat? I, you know, you get a book, you look at it, and, and, and you read, and you try to learn a little bit. You do a little research online, whatever the case may be. And, 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 you, and you know, I, I'm learning about the presentation, the way the hooves are supposed to come out first, and you're supposed to see the snout. The hooves should be below the nose. And, and every presentation, on we, we had five baby goats delivered, three from one doe, two from another. And the last one that was born, the second one from the second doe, um, 
Campbell was coming out wrong. I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I'm seeing a hoof come out with not without a second hoof, and I'm seeing some. I don't know what it is I'm looking. I didn't know if I was looking at a tail coming out or <laughs> what it was. But I realized it was an ear, and so I realized the face was turned, and one of the hoofs, one of the legs was bent back. So it said in the book to reach inside and straighten them out. So that's what <laughs> I did, and it worked. I mean, it absolutely worked, and and you know, kind of freaky, kind of weird, but sure. hey, you know, the way I look at it. You know, my wife falls in love with these animals, and I do too. Please don't get me wrong. They all have names. Uh, it, it's a weird thing that, that's, that's kind of happened, you know, getting involved with, with the goats and the chickens and everything else, is that you really, I work really hard keeping them really clean, their area clean, well-fed, well-watered, really, really, really taking care of this commodity, this really uh, necessary items you know, for our survival, if we ever have to rely on them. And in that process, during that process, that kind of dedication and that kind of work really does bring you close to these animals. It really does. It gives you a whole new understanding uh, about, uh, uh, you know, what it is to, to try and deal with animals. I have that no experience with this kind of stuff. And, and I've learned a lot from it. And uh, I, I feel it's made me a better person. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that, like goats are a great place to go for that because I, from my understanding, the number one protein source in the world is goat dairy product, and That's the number correct. one eaten meat in the world is goat meat. That is correct. And they're so, easy packages to take care of. You don't need a lot of space for them. The more space you got, the better. Um, and uh, they're, they're nice little packages is the best way to describe it. You got meat, you got milk, you got, uh, you got a, a, a really cool animal. I mean, they're, they're, they're really cool. They're, they're, Have you guys been trying your hand at making cheese from their, their uh, milk? Well, you know, the, this is part of the problem. Like, you know, you, you were talking earlier about the fact of, uh, you know, how it's kind of weird being out there in, in the public with making a show about what we're doing. Well, yeah. the demands of, 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 of the show, making sure that the projects are within certain uh, areas, certain places, points of, in, in the process of the process for the next time the camera crew is going to be arriving – it's really required an awful lot of my time, uh, and it's really, really kind of demanding. So I have to answer quite honestly and say, no, I milk the goats mm. on a regular basis, but I have not had the time really to devote to uh, to making the cheese yet, but I will. I understand the sacrifice of that, too, because I found myself shooting a lot less video for my YouTube channel simply because I'm like, after I got done one video, I'm like, I could have done seven things in the same time. Yeah. And I'm not trying to meet anywhere near the production quality you guys are for, you know, a TV quality broadcast. So I can only imagine. But, yeah, I, I will. I will. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, the chickens are there now, and uh, we're right now at a point where we're deciding whether or not we're going to let some of the hens set on some eggs for uh you know, cool. a few weeks and get some more chickens or whether we're going to keep eating eggs. That's been really popular around the family. Everybody really loves it. Uh, I, again, I, I got to get outside. I may still yet do it this afternoon and see crack open the beehives. And I'd like to try to, to take some honey off of them this time of year while the clover's still blooming. So they have plenty of time to replenish their stores as well as sure. us getting some really nice, light, really sweet honey from the clover. Um, we'll see how that goes if I can get to it today. Um, you know, just the, the bunker project that we did, uh, which again is all spelled out step by step in several episodes of the show, um, you know, uh, is, is almost done. Uh, I'm at the point now of finally concealing the exterior of it, finishing up the greenhouse that's sitting up on top of it and the deck that covers it up. Um, yeah, that, that has been a great project. 
uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting at least a half a dozen. Sure, sure. On the goats and uh, the chickens, was there specific breeds you selected, and any reason for that, or just what we was were, local we, to the area, or? We went with a, uh, a La Mancha Saint and Cross on the goats because they're really good dairy goats, uh, and that was our main, you know, uh, reason for having them was for the dairy products. Uh, we didn't choose to go with the boar goats um, because of uh, that are more of a meat goat. Um, we, we wanted the dairy, um, and so that's why we went, you know, with the La Mancha Saint and Cross. Uh, and um, that's what uh, the the uh, the buck that we had brought over was a uh, a La Mancha Sanin. Uh I think he may have been pure Sanin, I'm not sure. Um, I think he was pure Sanin, if I remember correctly. Uh, but again, dairy goats. That's what we went with. Uh, there's a number of farmers in this area that have them. A lot of people around me do raise the boar goats uh, for their meat. Uh, that's not the directions that we went. Uh, that we went and as far as the chickens, we went with a whole assortment that we got from uh, a local uh, farmer friend of ours that um, that that had a, just a whole bunch of different types of Americanas and Rhode Island Reds and just a whole bunch of different uh, just a whole bunch of different types of chickens. Um, so and, you're and practicing we, chicken diversity. Yes, yes, it's cool. <laughs> awesome. It's really cool. Again, you know, I'm, we're no animal experts, but you know, we're getting different color eggs, different size eggs. Um, you know, it, it's really cool. And, 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 and again, you know, you devote all this time and energy to really maintaining this commodity that you're working with. And, you know, I don't, I want to sound cold, but that's what it's, you really got to work with these animals. You got to take care of them. You got to, you know, you got to feed them. You got to water them. You got to make sure that they, all their needs are really taken care of. Otherwise, you're not going to receive any of the products that they're going to produce for you. And looking at it from that point of view, you know, it, 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 it may sound cold, but the reality of the matter is, is doing that really does bring you really close to them, and I really like each and every one of them. They're really cool animals. Well, and I also think that, like, okay, if you have chickens as pets or goats as pets, you're only going to value them so much. They're not, they're just not like the dog that lays on the floor with you at night. But if you see them as commodities, you're actually going to care for them at a higher level because there's a vested interest in, it, in, in giving them the care that they need, and then they're going to produce a higher quality product for you, and that's going to improve your health and your self-sufficiency as well. That's exactly the way I look at it. So um, have you guys noticed like a difference in the way you feel? As you, I'm sure your diet's changed along the way here. I know that um, I have um, cut a bunch of weight, leaned down, uh, feel much better, lighter on my feet, um, gotten stronger. Uh, you know, I feel better than I did probably eight to ten years ago. Um, I, I, I can honestly and truthfully say that. Um, can't speak for the rest of the family. I think everybody's doing really fine and feeling good. And uh, I suppose if, if, if I pose the question to them, to them, they'd probably say the same thing. Well, and I think with kids, they're, they're so resilient at the oh, age yeah. of kids are. They can. It, nobody else except a teenager can eat a bag of Cheetos sitting on the couch and then get up and play baseball. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, it's, so kids, I think, sometimes don't really come around to the health side of things as quick because their bodies are so resilient. But I think as as we get older, like you and I are, you really notice that you've done something different. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I know I felt it within a matter of weeks. And uh, um, I did throw my back out back about uh, a couple of three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now, pouring a concrete, maybe a little longer than that, pouring a concrete for the uh, – on top of the bunker to, to to cover up the 
the top of the bunker and to be able to set the greenhouse on it. Um, the uh, I did throw my back out, laid me up for a couple of few days, man. Uh, and that was a bit of a, 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 a rude awakening to me that uh, I may not be as young as I used to be. So I do have to, uh, I got to be careful. I, I don't want to, sometimes I push myself a little too hard and I watch out for that. Yeah, when I was 25, if I got hurt doing something, I'm like, oh, well, I can't work for a couple of days. Now I'm like, oh, no, I can't do all my stuff, you know. Yeah. Your priorities change. Um, what are some of the things that you guys like to grow? I know you guys do a lot of, uh, like, gardening stuff as well. What are some of your favorite things to grow and preserve? Uh, it, that, that's a really good question. We we do a lot with tomatoes and peppers. Uh, we do a lot with uh, with beans, uh, good good protein. Uh, we love them, love to eat them. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we've been really, really successful with our peas, especially this year. Uh, we've got quite a bit of corn in. We dry the corn, uh, as well as freeze the corn. What we do is we try to do different ways of preserving the food in case, and we've always done it this way, just in case, uh, for some reason, um, let's, let's say for an extended power failure, even though we've got backup generators and everything else, you know, if, if there's a problem keeping the freezers going, we have a lot of canned stuff. Uh, as well as smoked uh, and dried, so that um, you know where there's different ways of preserving the foods. I'm sorry, I, I got off on a tangent there. We got a lot of cucumbers because my wife loves pickles. Uh, we have a lot of good pickle rec- recipes, and uh, um, and 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 we we make a lot of pickles every year. Um, the um, eggplant is something that we like. We usually freeze that as like an eggplant parmesan, or different ways of making the eggplant. Um, I know I'm forgetting a bunch of things. Oh. One of the things that I do the, um, in, in my garden is I, is I have certain sections of the garden that are basically everything we grow is heirloom. You can save the seeds and replant them, but heirloom in really a very true sense. Uh, like my dad is no longer here. He's been gone now for, for about 15, 18 years, um, but I still have in my garden uh, garlic that has been replanted every year. Um, mm. That was my dad's. Um, I have um, a whole herbal section of my garden for herbal, herbal remedies, a separate little wing of my garden, uh, in which I have chamomile tea growing that uh, I, I'm almost certain was my grandmother's. I know it was my mother's. I got it from her and, and, and planted the seeds, but I'm, I'm almost certain she got it from her, her mother. Um, we have uh, asparagus that um, that is really well established now that came from some dear, very, very dear friends of ours, that uh, an older couple that are no longer with us as well, um, that their patch was over 120 years old, and I'm really, really, really happy to have a three-year-old patch in my garden now from that rootstock. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff as well. Um, the garden's really, really important to us. We have a lot of fun with it. It is a lot of work. Everybody needs to be aware of that, keeping them weeds down. But uh, but it's good. It's fun. It's good, healthy. You step back at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the growing season, when the shelves are stocked with canned goods, and all along the way, you can see what you have produced for yourself. There's nothing better. Yeah, and I think that more and more people are rediscovering the concept of saving their own seeds and developing their own locally adapted lines and it's something that no seed catalog can compete with. There are great places to start to get some stuff is some seed stock if you can't get anything that's local and start kind of developing your own season after season. But I remember the tomatoes that my grandfather used to grow. God knows how far back that seed line went. I mean, it's uh, – and being a, a dumb teenager when I joined the Army and coming home and after that he'd passed away, 
that's that seed line is basically gone. I, I had no idea back then what a big deal it really was. Yep, yep, and it, and it's sad, you know. But uh, you know, all you can do is just keep trying. You know, maybe who knows? There's no way to get it back. You don't think there's any way you can find it? I don't think those particular seeds. I mean, there's probably uh-huh. gardeners in the air. You know, maybe there's somebody up there that's still growing from his seed line, and maybe yeah. we need to look into that. I mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember he used to save seeds. He had certain plants he always saved seeds from. Tomatoes and peppers were two big ones. Dill seed, uh, yep. just like you with the garlic. Uh, yep. we would always let some onions go to seed and get seed from that. And, yep. uh, I mean, he, he bought very little from, uh, from catalogs every year. Yep. That's basically what we do too. And, um, it, it, it gets great. You know, there's, there's any, everybody loves gardening when they get into it. I mean, um, it, it's, it's just fun. It, it's as close to almost immediate gratification. The gratification comes very quickly from, uh, you know, watching the, the, your efforts produce food. Uh, it, it really is. It's a good thing. It's, it's, it's something everyone can do. And as far as I'm concerned, everyone should do. I've got a great storable for you to add. It might be a bit this late year to plant some, but Waltham butternut squash, winter squash. Um, we did an experiment with one. We left it on a windowsill. Uh, we put it on the windowsill in September, and it sat on the windowsill, and my wife said, how long is it going to be there? I said, "Till it goes bad, and it's an experiment. And she said, okay, so Christmas it's still there. Uh, spring it's still there. It sat there until about June of the next year. And this is not a root cell or anything like that. just sat on a windowsill. And uh, it took till about June of the next year before it started to get soft and, and kind of like, okay, this thing needs to go. And, uh, I mean, I haven't seen anything that stores. like the long-neck pumpkins do great up there as well uh, in your area. And that's a, you know, a great storable without actually having to do anything to it. Absolutely. We have a, a small root cellar now, and uh, the, our bunker will also be used for it um, to store a lot of our root crop. Uh, as well as we do have, I didn't mention, we have butternut and acorn squash. Oh, okay. keepers. You are 100% right. And we have pumpkins as well. Yeah, um, I've got tons of, of large squash varieties and pumpkins planted this year. And they're, they're I, I measured the one vine yesterday. I put a rock next to it. And then I came back the next day, and the vine grew a foot in a day. It's amazing. I, it's amazing. It's so, it's so cool. So um, what what kind of advice do you have for people that are saying, like, okay, these guys are talking about all this stuff that's kind of down the path, and they're going, I just want to start out somewhere. What What is kind of your advice to the person that's kind of the deer in the headlights, what do I do first type of thing? That's a really, really good question, and, 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 it, and it, it may sound like a short answer, but all I can say is get started. Just simply get started. It's really important. First thing you can do is get yourself together a grab-and-go bag in case – because there's another whole scenario here, you know, there's a whole, whole new school of thought, other, not new, but other school of thought as far as how to be prepared. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're setting up to hunker down here and to ride out the storm, but as you'll see in upcoming episodes of, of in, in Independence USA, that there's also the possibility of, um, of looking at the other way, and that is to survive a storm, and, and that is to be mobile, to be able to, uh, to, to get out there and, and, and live off the land. Uh, so one of the first things I would I would suggest to people is get yourself a good emergency supply bag together with good first aid supplies, emergency supply of food to last for a few days, hopefully dehydrated, water. Make sure you stockpile your stockpile a small amount of some basic essentials around you that is everybody can use at any time, whether it's a snowstorm or a or a power outage due to a uh, to a storm coming through the area. It's great to have this stuff on hand. Anyhow, 
and then I would say take it one step at a time from there. Think about what you're interested in. Get involved in gardening. If you have the inclination of the space, get involved in the animal husbandry. Um, and then start looking at your energy needs and start figuring out ways to provide your own energy needs. And the more and more you get into it, the more and more it becomes fun and adventure and really helps build your confidence along the way. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I also know that like things like putting together a bug out bag, and I always say that whatever you do should benefit you, even if nothing actually big exactly. time goes wrong, right? And like I've had people go, "What do you need that for?" And then you're over at their house, and everybody's in the backyard, and all of a sudden the mosquitoes come in, and everybody's being bit, and they're slapping it all. You go out, go out and grab the off out of my bug out bag, and yeah. you bring it back in, and then they go to light the, the the charcoal grill, and it's the first barbecue of the year, and they don't even have a lighter in the house, and nobody smokes, nobody has a lighter. You're like, yeah, let me run out, and I'll, I'll go grab my ferro rod out of my uh, out of my bug out bag, and they're like, then they're like, well, what do you need that for? I'm like, well, you needed it today, right? You needed it today to pull off a barbecue. In, in a backyard suburbia without a trip to the convenience store. So uh, it, it is quite a, uh, a a good tool because when things come up, you can address them. And people, I think people, when they see somebody successful in any any walk of life, tend to gravitate toward and, and do the same type of thing. Absolutely. That's exactly right. You, you've said it much better than I than I could have said it. You know, uh, it, 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 all the time, you know, we use those kind of things as well. Um, you know, it's always at hand, it's always there, and if you ever find yourself in a situation where you really need to rely on it, you've got days worth of survival need. Uh, just first thing I would recommend that anybody do, everyone should have that. Hell, our, our own government even recommends that we have 72 hours worth of supplies on hand, and I think it's more than that now. Um, it should be. <laughs> yeah, it should be, it should be. Yeah, um, what are your thoughts on like security and defense? I know I saw one episode where you guys were making your own gunpowder and and uh, learning to use black powder weapons and all, and uh, and that's like one end of things. But I mean, what what are just your general thoughts on security and what have you? Yeah, absolutely. Especially being that we're out there in the public eye, um, you know, showing it is what we're doing, and and we have no in intention of changing that. We're going to continue doing that. Security is a big issue. Uh, you know, there have been so far. You know, the folks that have, um, quote, found us, um, uh, fans that have found us have been, you know, great, really cool, really cool people. Um, but uh, the reality of the matter is, is that uh, security is a major issue for sure, um, not only in the world we're in today, but the world we may find ourselves in when things get really, really bad. Security is going to be a key issue. Uh, we do address it on upcoming episodes of the show. Uh, I still feel we've got a little ways to go in our preparation along those lines, but we ha are really well prepared. Um, I, I, uh, I don't consider myself, uh, you know, uh, some sort of a fanatic in terms of, uh, um, my emergency preparedness in terms of, of, of ammunition and those tools that are necessary, uh, to defend oneself. Uh, but, uh, I do have plenty on hand. Um, and uh, know how to use them, practice regularly, um, and also uh, work in a sense. We, you know, with our neighbors, our community, in a sense that we have. Uh, uh, it, it's not just one person standing alone around here if things get really bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a hugely important thing as well that you have um, neighbors on board as much as you can, or as much as they're prepared to be at any one time. 
Because I don't think that many people are going to do well trying to stand alone, but as soon as a community starts to value its, its own area, its own neighborhood, and its neighbors, uh, all of a sudden it's a much more formidable thing for someone from the outside to come in and try to take away uh, what you've worked so hard to create and, and, and for yourself. And, and I think that's just huge. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that that's yet another reason to come out of the closet as a prepper, so to speak, because you want your neighbors on board with you because – I've had people say, you know, well, everybody can fend for themselves. And I'm like, okay, so Mrs. Etheridge that walked you to school when you were seven years old and looked after you when your parents were at work, you're just going to let her starve? It just doesn't make sense to me at all that people even think that way. You know, you're 100% right, and it's a big part of our show, and it's a big part of the philosophy that I and my family espouse, uh, is that it really, the, the, the larger of a small community that you have, that to ride out the storm, the better off it's going to be. Everybody has a value, whether, as you say, it's Mrs. Etheridge that walked you to school. There's there's a there's a place for that person in a um, in in a in a society that's left behind uh, during a period of time that that society crumbles. Um, there's a place for everyone to do a job to keep that that uh, that little mini society going through that storm. And, and to be able to not only survive, but to thrive through it is what we're shooting for, as you mentioned earlier, and we mentioned on the show. Uh, it definitely takes a community. It definitely takes a family, a group of families, uh, together, working together, aware of what everyone else has got going on, uh, to really be able to, to come out after um, whatever is going to happen happens uh, back to some semblance of normalcy, back to a way of life that uh, that this is a great way of life that we're all used to here in this country. Um, and um, you can't do it alone. And, um, and 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 that's what our show is all about. You know, I, let's back up a little bit on the black powder stuff because one of the things I've, I've been thinking about is like, I've thought about what you guys did with that. You know, you're making your own gunpowder, casting your own uh, own own round balls and stuff like that. Yes. But even for the person that just buys the stuff and has it, yes. one of the things I think that gets overlooked with black powder is in many areas, in many places, it's not considered a modern firearm. You don't have to. There's no paperwork at all, and it's one way that people could remain armed during a period of time where maybe we do have to deal with gun combat confiscation issues and all, because I can go down to the store and buy a, a, a couple cans of Pyrodex and I've got powder. I can go buy some some patched balls and I've got that. I can go buy uh, whatever black powder firearm I want. All I have to do is show my license when I when I buy it. There's no there's no paper trail. Now I know in some like of the really uh, you know the places I'm talking about, Frank, the, like yep. the Chicago's and all. They they've lumped that in, but in most of the United States, hell, I can order it from Cabela's. They'll ship it to my house. That's correct. Um, and there, there is merit to that, li- to that line of thinking. Uh, the way that I see it, and we did, we, we had a whole episode about making our own black powder, making a cannon, uh, making our own shot uh, and, and, and ball projectiles. Uh, and, and, yeah, this is great, but let's face it. You're not going to be able to – if you found yourself having to have, God forbid, some sort of a pitched battle with yeah. marauders that were going to come and take what you got um, – you know, you're really not going to be able to be, uh, you know, reloading your muzzle loader. No, it's time to step beyond the flintlock up to the AR platform at that point. Yeah, you know, th- that's why you need to have them all, is the way I look at it. And, <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, looking at it from still that same scenario, 
Um, you got that muzzle lower, lower laying next to you there with, uh, you got your AR-7 and everything else. And let's say everything else is empty and that thing's loaded with buckshot. Uh, it could save you at the end. Uh, it still works. It'll still do damage. But the way I look at it is that for a prolonged period of time, if we were really in trouble for months and months and months, even years, where you could not get ammunition, of course, we reload and everything else on modern firearms and modern ammunition, but you don't have to use that product. If you can make your own black powder, make your own shot, you can go out and take down a turkey and put food on your table if you don't have to use it for defense. So that's the way we look at it. Have you guys kind of really uh, looked at the concept of, you know, especially now all times are good from a, from a protein standpoint, you know, the, the hunting fishing aspect of things. I mean, it's, it's, I know where you're at. It's a great place for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up hunting and fishing the same mountains you live near now. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we have episodes already that, uh, that have aired, you know, showing us uh, Adam and I hunting. Kim did a really great job taking down a turkey. We put a lot of food on the table that day with uh, with both venison and turkey. Um, we definitely is, is part of of how we stockpile our our food is by going out and 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 legally taking what's there available for us to take. Um, and if we ever find ourselves in a situation where there's uh, you know society has has crumbled for whatever reason, then we always have those means of taking those animals that are around us if we need to. And maintain the goats and the chickens that we have for their for their eggs and their dairy products, rather than have to eat that meat. Um, the uh, definitely hunting is a big part of what we're doing. Um, and, uh, and in an upcoming episode uh, where Adam's off living off the land for for a period of time, um, even using hand lines to catch uh, you know wild trout, you you know you'll see it all on the show. Very, very cool. I mean, I remember, and because people have done this before, like during the Great Depression, I remember one day I was going through our, our and you'll know what this word means, shanty, uh, uh-huh. outside of the house, right? So I'm going through this, and I'm finding all this junk my grandfather has stored up, and, you know, you know I'm a young teenager, and you, all this stuff's cool. And I find this whole box full of rat traps, and they're all rusted, and it's like, they're made, of, like the wood part's made out of oak, you know, I mean that's how old these things are. And they all have a great big hole drilled in them. So I take him to my grandfather, and I go, what's with the hole? He goes, them squirrel traps. Yep. I'm like, what? He goes, well, during the Depression, we would nail them to a tree, set them, and bait them with peanut butter. And a squirrel would run and get snapped in there. And since it's nailed to the tree, he's not going anywhere. And it was just a cop. Like he said, like everybody he said, there weren't many squirrels by the end of the Depression because people were using them as a food source. Sure. I mean, you do what you got to do when times get bad. And... Squirrel stew is good. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, good. yeah, you're also you're taking me back there again. That was one of my big things as a kid, man, was, you know, I'd go out hunting squirrels because uh, it's one of the first seasons to open up, the early small game stuff, and, you know, I'd, I'd wait till I had a huge pile of them and make a giant pot of stew out of them, and I'd live off it for a week. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> So uh, how do people uh, how do people check out your show? They're not going to be tuning in on you know channel 120 on Dish Network or anything like that. Uh, they'd see you on GBTV, but there's a way to get like a free trial for that for folks uh, or something yeah, like I, that. I think there's, I, I'm not sure. I think there's still a free trial for GBTV. I know there's a lot going on right now with uh, 
his network, changing its uh, name, I believe, to The Blaze, uh, and getting a little bit bigger. Uh, it, we're so excited to be involved uh, in, in a whole new uh, area of, of, of home entertainment, of television, for lack of a better term. You know, this whole internet-based stuff that you're that you're so deeply involved with. I mean, this is really, really cool stuff, and we're really happy to be involved with it at its early stages. Uh, yeah, GBTV, The Blaze, uh, check out Independence USA, man. It's a great show. Um, you know, we, we hear nothing but positive feedback concerning it and having so much fun. One thing I got to point out, not only are we getting prepared, not only are we building up our confidence as a family and myself as an individual, but we have fun doing this. I mean, really fun. We have not only fun doing these projects and learning from it, making our mistakes and learning from them and moving on, but we have fun. The crew that comes here to shoot this stuff, let's face it, it's, it's, it's a TV show. There's a crew, there's lighting, there's a grip, there's audio. There's, you know, these people are here. You don't see them on camera, but they're here. These people come here initially thinking, I'm out of my mind. Now <laughs> they're here and they are absolutely into everything that we're doing, doing it themselves at home. Look for, they, you know, the, especially the camera crews, they fight. To be the one that gets to come onto this uh, onto this set, for lack of a better term, you know, because they're out shooting all kinds of different TV shows and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, they they oh man, they get angry if they're not uh, the one that gets to come here for a shoot day. Um, you know, really look forward to coming and have a lot of fun doing it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Frank, I appreciate you being with us on the air today. And uh, again, folks, if you want to uh, to check out Independence USA to do that, uh, they do appear on GBTV, which is just is just like what it sounds, GBTV.com. You can go over there and make sure you check out Independence USA. And and and, uh, and thanks for being with us today, Frank. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. We'll definitely have you back on to talk about many of your projects. I'm sure will be up and coming, things you probably haven't even thought about yet. And with that, folks, this has been Jack Spirico today along with Frank Belcastro, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. In our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer It's like there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess We follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
Shut sure.